This week's episode is brought to you by Gordorg, the patron's demon of hockey fans. He subsists on the ritual sacrifice by fans of good to great players on teams that aren't winning games. Gordorg, your sacrifice is appreciated. Psychic fakes it, takes it, scores! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Seth Faust, and you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for November 7th, 2016. Um, and instead of reading what I was going to read, I just have a simple question um, that this is a good audible, I think. Is my intro a curse, Earl 06? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we start with Joe Sackick, who put John Mitchell on waivers this week, and he went unclaimed. And then we have a glove save by Varlamov, which has been a little bit of a rarity this season. And then a brilliant goal from Nathan McKinnon, which we haven't seen since opening night. We have a brilliant goal by Blake Como at work. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the intro is a curse, but coming up on the show, um, Earl and I are going to polish a bunch of turds, plus an update on the Rampage and everyone's favorite kind of controversy, but before we play the whoosh... Um, I have to introduce Earl, which I just did. Hi, Earl. Hola, amigos. And and now the thing. Oh no, we suck again. Is the uh, subtitle for this episode. On Tuesday, Avs fall five one to the Nashville Predators, and what they hoped might start breaking them out of their funk. Um, I can't tell that it did, but it might have. Uh, Colorado got a goal from Jerome Ginla because he was playing against Nashville, and that's what he does. But Rene saved all 28 of the other ab shots, while Colorado gave up a disastrous 19 in the second period alone. That did not rule. On Thursday, the Avs dropped the most boring game of the season so far by a wide margin 4-0 to the Chicago Blackhawks. Despite winning the shot on goal battle 38-21, nothing could find its way behind Crawford. But for Varlamov, no such luck. And on Saturday, Avs win 1-0 over our good friend from Minnesota. The lone score in the game came from Gabe Landeskog, not five minutes after he physically mixed it up with Devin Dobnik. Uh, typically intense and chippy game from the worst rivalry in sports, and it was fun to come out on the winning side for once. Then, on Sunday, Colorado traveled to St. Louis to play a Blues team who had also played the day before, and they dropped their hockey pants and left a giant mountain of shit on the ice, losing 5-1 in a game that wasn't that close. Francois Boschman put the only Avs goal in off Duchesne's leg, that's Matt's sixth of the year, and the Blues chased Varlamov after he gave up five in two periods. That game sucked. And I was glad I had this podcast to prepare for, so I didn't have to watch the third. <laughs> I must admit I didn't pay much attention to the third either. It was, uh, uh, I don't know, just not the guy's night. Uh, I, you know, it, it's really tough to figure out what's, what's going on with the alternating decent, bad, good, sometimes okay performances. Um, <clears throat> getting a consistent effort out of everybody is, is proving to be a tough task for Jared Bednar. Yeah, it's curious to see how they go just from game to game and um, are so not just inconsistent, but wildly inconsistent. Because, yeah, I mean, Nashville was terrible. Chicago was, you know, honestly not that bad, but just yeah. snake bit. Minnesota was both awful and pretty good. And then yeah, St. Louis was bad. 
It, I mean, it's not like a, a few years ago when you could just predict that they'd come out and be terrible for 10 minutes and then maybe start playing. You know, it's just, you don't know what to expect night to night. It, it's got to be incredibly frustrating for the staff to prepare for that. Right. Um, so I don't think that the uh, the, the staff websites are going to be updated that quickly. So I don't know if this still holds, but coming into the day, um, Simeon Varlamov's high, high uh, danger save percentage, which is, as a reminder, on shots that are rebounds or on the rush or in the home plate area or all of the above, is third worst among goaltenders that have played some arbitrary number of minutes. I think it's set at 190 or something. He's ahead of only Pecorine and Kerry Lettman. That's not good. What's the difference between a scoring chance and a high-danger scoring chance? Um, a scoring chance has uh, is it, kind of like those sort of those sort of things that I just mentioned, which is like you know rushes or rebounds, um, and then the danger is kind of determined by the area on the ice where the shot comes from. I think um, okay. it's all calculated based on average save percentages in those areas. So. Um, they, they came so like, up with scoring chances back in the war on ice days um, based on these kinds of shots have a higher chance of going in. And then they went one step farther and said these kinds of chances have a higher chance of going in. Yeah, so so like an Iggy shot from the outside of the circle would be a scoring chance but not a high danger? Yeah, prob- that, that's yeah. a pretty good way to look at it. The, uh, the Alex Steen goal, um, which was a rebound chance, uh, yeah. And now it was on the power play, but it would count as probably a, a medium danger or a medium danger scoring chance. I would I would imagine. Okay. Because it was kind of at the edge of home plate, it wasn't all the way out in no man's land, and it was on a rebound. So what that tells us is, yeah, it's really easy to excuse individual goals against Simeon Varlamov right now because it's always a two on one or somebody blew it or you know a breakaway or you know. The third shot yeah, I mean, in after three the, seconds. Yeah, after the Nashville game, uh, Mike, our friend Mike at MHH, who is a goalie himself, he broke down the five goals against Varley. Um, and, and every single one of them, you're like, yeah, you know, that's a tough shot. or You know, you, you don't get those all the time. But it, like I said to him, it's just as a body of work, you can't let all five of those in. You know, you, you, you just got to have a better percentage and and that's just not working for him right now exactly and the same thing happened today i mean there were three goals yeah they were all pretty tough goals but i think there were three of those he should have had or could have had yeah the last one was was especially egregious where it was like his eyes had gone fuzzy and he just kind of waved at a puck that hit him in the shoulder on his way in yeah i mean you know hitting him in the shoulder and dribbling over i mean that's you know I don't blame him for being frazzled or shell-shocked or whatever at that point, but it's just... It just can't happen. Yeah, you, you can't let all five of those bad... All five of those goals in on a given night and expect to keep your job. Right, and, and that's where the breakdown comes, is it's not that a two-on-one goes in. It's not that a breakaway goes in. It's not that a rebound goal on a power play goes in. It's that all three of those things happen. Yeah. And, and, may, it, and maybe tonight is 
you know, not the greatest example of that because there were just so many breakdowns, especially in the first period. But when you look at, say, the Chicago game, you can kind of say that. Yeah. But, I, I'm, I mean, I look at Pick's game yesterday. I mean, you know, were there, were there so many fewer chances like that against Minnesota? I mean, is Pick's just lucky that the defense happens to show up when he's playing? I mean, what is it about Pickard that allows him to win games and Varley lets in five goals every night? I don't think that can possibly be true. <laughs> you know I, I don't know what it is but it just you know whatever calvin is doing or has done in front of him um it, it just seems like he's getting the you know the better luck and he's making more saves yeah i'm stretch for me i'm looking up game numbers here it, i <clears throat> I mean, I love the idea, and we've said this before, that it's in the Avs' best interest for Calvin to take this job in a gradual way, not in the way that it's happening now, but, but, but to you know basically show that he can take the starter's job and perform well with it, well enough that they don't need Varley anymore, but yet Varley is left as a serviceable piece to trade at the deadline or trade this summer or have Las Vegas take off our hands. So um, that's not what's happening now. Um, now it's, you know, Calvin's playing well enough to deserve more time, but we don't, don't know if he's good enough to be the starter at all. And we're pretty sure that whatever's happening with Varley is something that needs correction in some way that you can't imagine. So the game that had the least high danger uh, <coughs> attempts based on, or from according to Natural Stat Trick, was yesterday against the Minnesota Wild. Um, So, yeah, Pickard may have been a little bit lucky in the shots that he was facing. And I kind of pointed that out after the first period. I was like, yeah, it's not great that Colorado have given up 15 shots, but they're shitty shots. It was like, it was Jonas Brodin happens to get a chance to breathe on the puck and just throws it up the net, you know. So what is it? The defense just hates Varley and they just, you know, say screw it when he's in goal? Or, I mean... There's got to be something other than random luck making this dichotomy between the two. Well, who was in net for the game against the Lightning? The, the Colorado won 4 nothing. That was Varley. That was the game with the second least high danger shot attempts with five. And okay. then also with there's there's four games where they had five. It was the shutout over the Lightning, the Jets game, the win over Arizona, and the shutout from the Blackhawks. Um, and what about the? That's not a lot of picker games. The the picker games. Let's. Uh, what about uh, what about Dallas? The first game of the year. That was fire wagon hockey. That must have had a lot of high danger stuff. Let me find it. I mean, it's going to be hard to say for sure because um, part of the reason that that there were so few uh, high danger chances tonight. There are only six. Um, was because they played less than half of the game at even strength yeah. at, at 5v5. And that, if I remember correctly, that game had a, just a whole lot of penalties going on. No, I guess I'm wrong. 50-19, 5 on 5 And so that game saw eight high-danger chances aside. 
So, I mean, is there any conclusion we can draw about how the team plays in front of these two guys? Is there any difference? There's not. There's There never is. It just feels that way because when you have a goaltender who's letting in more high-danger chances than average because it feels like every mistake goes in your net. Well, I, I mean, so what, so what does this staff do now? Uh, you know, they've, they've got a couple of days off before the Arizona game. The Arizona game, that's, you know, that would be an easy one to get to Calvin anyway. So, so you know, they, they've got a little while to sort of make a decision on what they're going to do about this. But, um, you know, I, I just, I don't. I don't see that they can have that much confidence in Varley right now. It's tough. No, this is easily the worst start he's had in several years. Um, and he's more often than not started a little bit bumpy, but this is a lot bumpy, even for him. Um, I don't know, looking at next week's schedule, if it were me, I might go back to Varley for the Arizona game and then give Pickard Winnipeg and probably also Boston. Yeah, uh, that's oh, that's. I might go picker if it were me. I'd go picker against Arizona and Winnipeg and give Varley Boston. Okay, I could <laughs> I could see that as well. Um, because I just I hate to make a goaltender go that long when he's supposed to be your number one without giving him the ice. Well, what I do and and Patrick did this a, a few times last year is just get uh, Francois Allaire in town and just you know figure out what's wrong and fix it you know give him a week between starts here I'd, boston's next weekend right uh yeah sunday yeah so give him a week between starts get francois in town and you know get this settled and you know see if it's fixable or not you know if he comes out against boston next sunday and gives up five goals again then i mean <laughs> i don't know what you do <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I yeah I mean at that point you know which goaltender you're protecting probably. <laughs> We've been saying all along it'd be nice if Calvin could steal the steal the number one job this year, but it would not be nice for for the existing number one well, to give it away. Yeah, I, was, I mean <laughs> you don't want it because the guy's giving it away because that means you suck, you know. <laughs> right. And and it's I. I don't know how Varley would take being a backup, but I'm guessing not very well. He's not getting paid like a backup. If he's not going to get number one time here, he needs to be dealt. I mean, what do you, what can you get for him? I mean, you know, hello, Mr. GM. What Do you want somebody that gives up five goals a game? I mean, it, it, that's a tough sell right, right now. <clears throat> I mean, it'd be nice if you could get him going for a month. You know, at least like a month of decent numbers, like, you know, twos and threes, maybe one, four... And, you know, then see if someone's interested. Oh, you know, he would immediately rattle off like five shutouts in a row if you traded him. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to really want to get him to the East. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a fit out there. Everyone keeps saying Calgary. That's the last place I'd want to see him, honestly. But um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really bad situation. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's going to hurt in the short term, and you know it's going to hurt in the short term. Yeah, I mean, I know the guys like Varley, and they want to perform in front of them, but it's just, you know, you, you get a couple of goals early like that, and you're just like, you know, oh, no, here we go again. And the abs are so bad that, oh, no, here we go again. 
Yeah, they, they've kind of developed this habit of falling back into their old methods when they're up against it this year. I'm not a fan of that. Um, but, but I mean, even aside from that, when a team gets a couple of goals up on you, they fall back, they shell up, it's harder to get a good scoring chance. That's called score effects. <laughs> yeah. But they, I don't know, the Blues, the Blues didn't really lay back much today. <laughs> they didn't need third. to. <laughs> I mean, let, let's be fair. For most of the second period was pretty good. Yeah. And then Weirkosh took a weak penalty and St. Louis scored on it and everything fell to pieces. Yeah, I mean, there were so many dumb plays there. I mean, the, the one where Tootin just sort of like, oh, golly, I guess I just won't win this board battle. And then Boschman decides to leave 10 feet between he and his guy on the two-on-one. I mean, pfft. You know, again, that's, you know, Varley should have had that goal, but, you know, that was just shit play in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that's it's always so hard to pin any one goal on a, on goal on the goalie when it's, you know, a two-on-one that gets passed across into the slot. But yeah. he didn't really come across for that, and no. it was pretty clearly a pass. <clears throat> well, it went under his glove, that that's the, I mean, if it yeah. goes over the glove, you know it's too fast. If it goes under the glove, you know he could have had it. Exactly. And that, that glove side just continues to be a real weakness for him this year. And it's not, you know, the book is high glove on this guy. It's not that. It's that he is legitimately below average on the glove side this year. Yeah. But, I mean, you're right. There's, I mean, Riker broke down on a, during the first period the, the awful play by Barry on the first goal and Boschman's awful play on the second goal. I mean, yeah, there's breakdowns, but, I mean, you're you're going to have breakdowns. I mean, you just you have to be prepared for that. So, I mean, if he can't handle that and picks can, then, you know, that's just the decision that has to be made. Right. And hopefully, I mean, I, I really think that it's time for Pickard to get the majority of the load for a while, and hopefully it'll be some time for, you know, Varlamov to go get lost in the woods and come back having, you know, grown a little bit more for the season and come back on and have one of his, you know, give up one goal a game for three weeks stretches. Yeah. And all this will solve itself. Exactly. Because goalies are what? They're voodoo. Goalies are voodoo. It'd be, it'd be nice, though, as we're asking him to bail out his defense, it'd be nice if his offense would bail him out sometimes, too. Yeah, it seems like a lot of those defensive plays get easier when they're up to nothing rather than down to nothing. I mean, are are you seeing signs that the guys are pressing? I mean, to me, everything seems lackadaisical rather than pressing too much as far as outside of the offensive zone. Uh, it seems like they're having problems clearing. They're having problems keeping track of men. It just it, there's a, a lot of really sloppy play. I don't know if that comes from pressing too hard. It's you know, it's tough to say. Well, when they when they get to really really try harding, um, either because they're up against it or because they're playing a team they want to beat very badly, like Minnesota, um, like I said, they're kind of falling back into those old habits, and that's a thing that you're seeing all kinds of uh, Avs observers pointing out. Guys like Dario and the Mars Volchenkov um, are all noticing the same thing in the Minnesota game. In the first period, it was back to all stretch passes all the time. And they yep. could not get out of the zone because Minnesota's forecheck was too strong. 
I felt like I was watching last season. Yep. Then and they made just, an adjustment. Well, and also I see, I see Tootin and Busham, and especially, they love clearing up along the boards. That's just you can't do that. That's just an automatic turnover. Um, and I know it's tough when you really want to get the puck out of the zone, but it's just if you're not clearing through the middle, you're, you know, it, bad things are going to happen. And it's also tough when your forwards have already left the zone. Yeah. Which continues really... to happen. God, I hate seeing Aginla at that far blue line all the time. I just I can't imagine the coaching staff is like, dude, you can't do that. You cannot be 120 feet away from the guy who's trying to pass it to you. It does not work. I know you're slow, but you got to help out. And if you get left behind, catch up as quickly as you can. Yeah. But, I mean, even when they do get their chances, they have been absolutely stymied. They scored one goal or less all week long. Yeah. I mean, God, the McKinnon's chance today that you just couldn't believe didn't go in. Miko had one. Colborn had one. I mean, you know, Jake Allen's a decent goalie, but he's not that good. I mean, it just ha, blows the mind. McKinnon has had that exact play every game. Yep. <laughs> I mean, with Crawford, Crawford was so on it that night, it wasn't even funny. But, I mean, he he did the same thing against Renee, and, you know, <clears throat> here's like, that, that's been going in for everybody except McKinnon this year. Yeah. And when you talk about pressing, no one is more frustrated than Nathan McKinnon, yeah. who scored on opening night, and despite playing on the team's best line and performing very well and getting his chances, they somehow all get stopped. So my question to you and to everybody is, what do we have to do to buy Nathan McKinnon a goal? Do we need a Kickstarter? No, I think... Do we need this to... Is kill a goat in the Pepsi Center parking lot? What does yeah, it take? I, th I think this is Santoria here. I mean, it's, you know, th this is beyond just sort of bad luck. I mean, he needs to, to be proactive with good luck here. There is some hex upon him or something like that that he needs to defeat. So, you know. Should we be calling in Captain America? <laughs> is this Hydra's doing? <laughs> <laughs> that, might, that could work <laughs> I mean he's doing well he's doing good things his line's yeah. doing good things they are um, what do you think of the experiment with putting Miko Dutch and Mac together I mean do you think that's just so much at the top that it you know it's, it's too much concentration or do you think that's right where we need to be I think it's going to depend game to game. I think if you really need a goal, then you do it. Otherwise, you don't want to have um, only one scoring threat because then you're easy to defend. Yeah. And I've seen, you know, Dutch has been taking a lot of double shifts this year. Mm -hmm. um, you see him with other lines often. Uh, Miko, not so much. And I wouldn't expect that probably for a few weeks at least. But, right. Um, you know, Duchesne more than McKinnon is taking the double shifts. Mm-hmm. So that's that spreads it out a bunch, but, but um, I, I mean I like that line a lot, and if you just look at it, you're, you know it just puts a smile on your face. But I just I wonder if it makes the I, I wonder if it makes it too easy to defend the whole rest of the lineup when you're like that. Because then your second line is what 
Iginla, Landeskog. And Carl. And Carl, who's been a disaster this season. Yeah. He entered the zone against three St. Louis Blues players who stripped the puck of him and sat on him. And I yep. thought that was a pretty good indicator of how his season has gone. Yeah. And it just, I, you know, what can you say about Aginla? It's just, it's really tough to play with the guy because he's just, he's slow and he loses board battles all the time. Uh, what was on that second goal today? God, he's just gliding into the zone and he had time to make a stick check on the dude who put it in on, on that second goal. I know Weirkosh probably should have had him too, but I mean, and Barry got gives, too deep, and yeah, you know. But it's just it's frustrating when you see someone gliding around like that. Yeah. <clears throat> I, on that goal, I named four people who were all responsible, and I don't yeah. think any of them were even including the goaltender who let it in. So at least five <laughs> were directly responsible for whatever that was. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, is is who Soderberg is playing with in any way responsible? I mean, he wasn't very good with Duchesne and Grigorenko, so I tend to think not. But, I mean, did the guy just forget how to play hockey? Oh, he's been demoted quite a lot recently to the fourth line. He's been playing a lot, or not to the fourth line, but he's been playing with, you know, with Como um, and, and you know, your scoring depth as opposed to his old line with Landeskog. I mean, uh continue saying words as I look for the numbers I want, but natural stat trick has frozen, which is wonderful. Oh, here it comes. Um, so the most common line mates tonight for well, tonight, I say tonight, the game started at like four o'clock or something. Um, but the most, <laughs> the most common uh, line mates tonight for, for Mr. Carl by time on ice at five on five, where Jerome McGinley and Gabe Landeskog, with a close second to every single defender. Yeah. So, after that, it's Martinson. Yeah, they moved Marty up for a while. Yeah, which you don't want to see. Because I mean, if, if Marty's your guy who's going, then you got problems. I'm not, I mean, yes and no. I think he's a passenger, but he's a good passenger. I mean, I, I think he can... I mean, I honestly think if you put Martinson in a Ginless spot on that line, it might actually work a lot better. That that'd be a trip. But but then when you put Aginla back down the lineup, that, that makes first of all a bad line much worse, and it makes him worse, and it makes him not even worth putting on the ice. So I mean, I realize the you know the problem that the staff is going through that they can't really put him down in the lineup without destroying whatever line he's on. <clears throat> And whatever line he's on in the top six is going to have, you know, an anchor to drag around. Yeah, um, but I mean, Soderberg tonight was still with with Landeskog and again predominantly. But uh, going back, you know, he's he's getting less ice time in general. I think is also a thing where he's he's not yeah, getting he, as much ice as he had been. Yeah, Colborn's up there a bunch too right yeah i don't think he was, i don't think he was tonight but uh was it against chicago he was up there for a lot of the game he really was and then as we as we look at the uh the game against minnesota soderberg's most common line mates were probably the same guys again but it won't there it goes um yeah 11 minutes Strom again the 10 minutes gabe landeskog and then no other forward over one minute 
But your second line's only getting 12 minutes, five-on-five time on ice. Yeah. And it's like the, you know, the Grigorenko line was a little bit better tonight, but, you know, that, that's been kind of a – the third line's been terrible no matter who they put, put on it for a while. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of liked it better when they had one bad line, and that was – I think it was Soderberg, Como, and Bork. And the rest of the lines were pretty much going well. <clears throat> um, I just I think that just makes it harder for other teams to match up with them and, and more dangerous. Right. I mean, especially on the road. I, I think the, the stacked lineup might be better at home, and it obviously worked yesterday. Um. But I, you know, I don't know if that was actually part of the problems today, but it might have been because maybe Hitch was just matching up well. Yeah. And it's everything is everything besides the top line is pretty easy to match up with. But that's a couple of games in a row now where we've seen sort of the same story, um, which is that the first period is half unwatchable, and then in the second period they claw most of it back especially in in terms of the possession game whether it score effects or not i mean it was still nothing nothing against minnesota and they had a very respectable second period after getting yeah. run out of their own barn in the first so um so while a slow start is bad and i'm not going to sit here and tell you it's not i'm encouraged to see a team that is continuing to show the ability to adjust in mid game Instead of being like, oh, well, we're down two. This is over. Do you think part of that is a function of uh, Pratt and Bednar being, you know, first-timers in the league? This is the first time they're seeing all these teams. We haven't played anyone twice yet. So that, you know, they, they kind of need to throw something out there just to see what the other team's doing. And then they're able to react to it by the second period. Um, well, that's what the video coach is for. Yeah, would, and Dave Ferris because he's the pre-scouter. Yeah, because what else is yeah what else has Dave got to do? Um, I I really would would take that as an indictment of the pre-scouting that the team team is doing. Um, but we really don't have any way to tell whether that's true yet because, like yeah. you said, they haven't played anyone twice. If they take on Arizona and put up a touchdown on them and it's never close, then maybe there's something to say there. Yeah, and. You know, again, I don't, I don't know if you can indict the pre-scout as much as I'd like to because it's Dave Farish. <laughs> just because I, I don't think they know what they've got well enough to be able to say, like, well, if we do this line against this line on the other side, that ought to work pretty well. Um, and, and know that it'll work. You know, they're still trying stuff. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing a lot of in the first period is they're trying stuff. The stuff they're trying needs to be better on the first shot. <laughs> That's yeah. It's really dooming the team to go straight in the hole. And the defensive pairs are not something they're trying. That's something they're failing. Right. Uh, um, outside, I mean, I love the way that Johnson and Zdorov are, are playing together. Yep. But there is nothing else about the other four guys that, that I'm really – happy about no Barry has been sort of good sometimes and we're has he's yeah we're has been okay rarely 
and you know Tootin has been a nightmare most of the time and, and Bushman is is just so slow that it's really tough to do anything there yeah and then before we move on into you know Tootin specifically um I'm just like it's been interesting to me to watch those bottom four defenders this year because the new guy Patrick Weirkosh has been by my eye the best compliment where whichever pairing he's on is better yeah Tyson Berry with Francois Beauchemin, disaster. Oof. Tyson Berry with Feder Tutin, workable-ish. It's so, I, I think I think a lot of that depends on the line that they're out with, but yeah, that that's better. Yeah, you're, you're right. They did play a lot with Duchesne's line yesterday. Um, yeah. But, but then Berry with, uh, with Weirkosh has had kind of the best results. Yeah. Um, Beauchemin are- with Weirkosh has been a good third pair. Yeah, um, and the problem with putting Weirkosh with, with Barry is then you get into having Tutin and Boschman together, which to me is a nightmare. No, yeah, nobody wants that. Because <laughs> that's just that that has slow that has stick penalty written mm-hmm. all over. It's just you, you can't put those guys out together because they're just fantastically slow, and and they are probably the two guys that get the system the least out of the defensemen so far. So with Feder Tutin's return to the lineup after being injured, um, has he shown enough for you to keep him in the lineup, or would you put Eric Jelenau back in? I wish I had a better sense of what Jelenau's upside is, because we haven't really seen much. Right. Uh, but if there is, you know, if, if he's not incredibly questionable as far as his decision-making... Um, you know, then I'd really like to see more of him because, I mean, at least he's young enough to have some speed. He's got a good shot. Hopefully he's struggling with the system and it just as, as he gets more playing time and gets more familiar with the system and with the other players on the team, you know, he can he can be a little more complimentary like Weirkosh has been. Yeah. I would, I would definitely say it's time to bring Jelenau back um, in the next game just because Tootin's had such a problem with, you know, the penalty parade. Um, but he's, he's made some good plays, too. It's not like he hasn't. Yeah. And, and Bosch does, too, but it's just, it's, I mean, it's not something that you can predict. Yeah, Boschman's more, kind of more of your, your vocal leader on the ice, though. I mean, he's... The, the first thing that people started noticing when he came to the Avalanche was how much he talks out there. And then there is value in that. If you've got two guys who are equally problematic in, the, in their foot speed and their zone exits, then you play the guy who's going to communicate better. My problem with Bosch has been clearing up the boards too much, which is a habit that I'm sure is very, very hard to break because he's been in... You know the Randy Carlisle duck system for a long time, and then he was, you know, he was in Patrick's system last year. Um, and the other problem I have with him is he makes some really dumb pinches, especially in the neutral zone. And you're just like, nah, because he, you know, he can't get back. He's, you know, he's not like a fantastic skater that can make up for that. Nope, so. <laughs> that that's putting it pretty mildly. Yeah, I mean it's. I, I, I mean, there's a lot I, I like about his, you know, his leadership on the ice. He he knows what to do a lot of the time, but the pinching thing is troubling. 
And the speed is troubling as well. And the speed's never going to come back. Yeah. This, this uh, is how fast he skates, and he's this isn't his last season with the Avalanche. <laughs> or is it? <laughs> uh, but let's uh, let's turn our attention to the uh, good old feature of infinite renaming stars and scratches. Um, aside <coughs> from the, I think the obvious, which is Calvin Pickard, which I will throw out there because it is. My job as the host of this fine show to keep things interesting, and Calvin Pickard is a boring, easy answer, so I'm picking it and getting it out of the way. Yeah, um, I, I fully agree there. He gets himself a shutout. He's playing himself into, hopefully, more starts. Um, he deserves my first start. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's nothing to argue with. I mean, that game yesterday was... And it was a lot more than a one nothing shutout as far as the team was concerned. Um, and it wasn't like Minnesota and the Avalanche were both around fifth or sixth in the division like they were last year. Um, Minnesota was coming in as the top team in the division. They'd gotten three shutouts in a row. They're terrorizing teams, scoring a lot. Um, you know, that looked like a really tough matchup on paper. And for and Calvin like one, to get a shutout... Yeah, and for Calvin, I mean, he got so lucky on so many plays. I mean, you know, there were two dings, the interference call, or <clears throat> Minnesota seems to think that, that EJ pulled stall into the blue. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a special kind of paranoia. <laughs> that's just hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, that was some luck. Um and maybe that, you know, going back to our earlier conversation, maybe that's what Lavarley's not getting. But, you know, a lot of people say you make your own luck. But that was a huge win because we never beat Minnesota. And it's just it's a monkey off the back. And it's, you know, it's something you can point back to later on in the season. Like, yeah, all right, we beat these guys. If Eric Johnson could tell the future and know that there was about to be a goal scored in two seconds, wouldn't he just cover the goal scorer? <laughs> Chew on that, Wild fans. Who's your uh, Who's your next pick? Um, I was going to go with Landy for yesterday. Um, I, I thought the I, I thought the I don't know if you want to call it a fight or not with with Dubnik. I, I call uh, it an aggressive face wash. <laughs> aggressive snarling and face washing. Um, that really did seem to have an emotional effect on the team and you know he scored the goal a couple minutes later yeah um great play by the way he just was the final recipient of yeah that was i mean you couldn't really see it from the normal camera angle but when they went to the the uh end zone cam for that you're just like wow i mean you can tell that miko and, and uh was that duchene or, or mckinnon uh duchene yeah mckinnon was on the back door yeah you can just look at that and you're just like this this is something we could see for a while like this is this chemistry being made right now that you, know, you can see these guys like aha all right i know to look for this guy here and this guy here and we're all going to be in these spots and no one can cover all of us so um i'll go with landy in mini for my second star uh, um 
Let's see. Now, can we agree on a third? Okay. What's yours? That's my I answer. I have no idea who I want to say. I, I had a couple. Um, you know, I sort of went back and forth between Miko's play being really promising. Um, he finally got his first point on that very same goal. Um, you know, you, you can just tell he's a very special player and that, you know, it, it it's, it's going to take a little while, but he's going to break through and he's going to start scoring uh, uh, probably a lot of assists rather than goals at first. But, you know, he, he's got the ability to play with that first line right off the bat, and that's pretty special. Yeah. Because I'm kind of flopping around with a default pick for Duchesne. Yeah. Um, and then they, they kind of considering Eric Johnson. But I think Duchesne's week was probably better. Yeah. I also, just as sort of a a thing rather than a person, um, sort of the way that the the Avalanche have raised their shot metrics. <clears throat> Maybe you can ascribe that to Jared Bednar, but, um, you know, they started out really poorly. And, and you know, they're, they're rocketing up the charts. I'm sure that was a strength of competition problem. I mean, they haven't played easy games except for Arizona and theoretically Winnipeg. No, but they started off after Dallas. They went to Pittsburgh and Washington and yeah. Tampa and Florida. I mean, those are strong teams. Yeah. Um, no, that's, you know, the fact that they can actually, I mean, in, until it actually happens, you really can't believe that they really can be a strong Corsi team and, and have good shot metrics. So that would be my pick. Your dog can't believe it either. Um, um, uh, the the easy and obvious first scratch is Varley, so I'm taking it and getting it off the board. <laughs> Who's number two? Uh, McKinnon's shooting percentage. Um, you know, Mac is so snake bit right now. It just there's no reason. I mean, we've discussed this, but there's just no reason for that shooting percentage to be so low, other than bad luck. So, yep. Other than every once in a while, the goalie makes a save, and every once in a while, the goalie makes a lot of saves in a row. That's just how randomness works. Yeah. It, I luck is really <coughs> not the word. Um, honestly, it's the easy word, and that's how it got so popular to describe the percentage game, but. Yeah. It, it's not about luck. It's about sustainability. It's about McKinnon is not going to shoot every single shot into the goalie for, no. for, for forever. That's just not how this works. No. He's, I, I mean, you know, he's got a good shot. I mean, he's shooting well. and it, I mean, he's not making just dumb shots. He's not, you know, airmailing them over the goal and stuff. He's making tough shots that the goalie has to make tough saves he's on. Ten, so. He's 10 feet out or less. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's driving to the net. He's doing everything you can ask of a power forward, if we want to call him that. Um, Except the final result. Exactly. It's just they're not going in. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, that's just the nature of randomness. If the goalie is going to make 91.5% of the saves, then every once in a while that's that uh, 91.5 out of 100, all 10 will come in a row. Yeah. And then all 10 of the next 100 will come in a row right after that. I mean, it just happens. Yeah, I mean, it's a, last week, Duchesne was shooting at just under 30%. I mean, that's not going to happen all the yeah. season either. Yeah, so. I got that backwards, by the way. That would be all 91 <laughs> in a row, back-to-back. Back. Let's, Let's go ahead and correct that before the internet does. <laughs> um, yeah, that... Max save percentage is my number two. Yeah. To call back to our earlier conversation, Tootin is my number two because he's had so many just foot speed problems. Um, for number three, um, would you agree if I put it on Soderbergh? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I'm. If I wasn't so baffled, I'd want to throw it in there. It's just, if he... I wish I knew why he was so bad right now. And that would make me feel better about putting him in the scratches. I mean, maybe there's, you know, I, I doubt there's a logical explanation, but maybe there is. And, and to go back to your Tootin thing, I was going to say the old guys in general, because it seems like on this team that everybody who's old and slow is having bigger problems than guys that are young and fast. Yeah. Well, that's generally the, the way of the league now, unless your name's Yaramir. Yeah, I mean, that's something that they're going to have to think about this summer. It's just, you know, you <clears throat> you, you don't need Tootins. Uh, um, I was going to say the same thing about Rene Bork, and I know he, he does some really awful things, but he's actually pretty fast, and he makes some decent plays. I, I've, I've wanted to hate him all year, but he does a couple of things every game that may me appreciate what he does yeah i have hated him all year but i think he's had a, a pretty respectable good shit to bad shit ratio this year or this week yeah i mean he can't finish and that's a problem like he shouldn't be on the power play and i really hate that but oh, that's yeah. not his fault and um, and like bsn pointed out during the game today you had a four minute power play with no Rennie bork on it and it got like one shot yeah exactly <laughs> like um so you know as much as i want to hate him he does good things out there enough that I don't totally hate him, but it's just, you know, the idea of, of needing a 34 year old guy like that on your team, you know, I think it's, it's flawed old school thinking. Avs PDO update from Jay Horvay, 95.5. Not bad. For those of you unaware, PDO usually sits between 99 and 101 in the grand scheme of things based on how good your goaltender is. A good goalie team will maintain a high BDO. A bad goalie team will maintain a low PDO. Not as bad as 95. And I'll say going into yesterday, and this is all strengths, not not 5v5 like it should be, but that's how the AHL rolls. The rampages were 966. So, whatever they've got, it's catching. Whatever they've got, it's catching. But, I mean, the high-flying, exciting goal scoring that the Rampage have got going on is not catching with Colorado. What's happening with San Antonio lately? Tell us about, uh, um, tell us about our acronym names. <laughs> our, our abbreviated well, names. Well, first of all, they, they've had some serious problems scoring goals outside of the three guys 
I'm about to mention all year, but last night they exploded for six goals and won six to five. Um, but well, they, they had to have all six of them, huh? Yeah, they really did. Um, <laughs> Not great the defense. Yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit about the defense in a bit, but um, they've. Uh, They've got three guys down there that, that may or may not be playing in Colorado for shorter, long periods of time. And this year, um, A.J. Greer has three goals and eight assists through ten games. Um, you know, I mean, that's not quite Miko territory, but it's pretty close. That's not terrible. No. I mean, as, as a rookie... He's tied for ninth in the AHL in points and tied for fifth in, in the AHL in assists. Um, and he's he's first in rookie assists and tied for second in, in rookie points. Well, if he has all these assists, who is he setting up? Well, generally he's feeding uh, JT Comfer. Um, Comfer, who I you know I kind of thought of as a setup man last year, but he's become the trigger man down there. Um, he's got five goals and three assists. Um, he's tied for eight in rookie points. He's got the highest shooting percentage of all rookies. And he's uh, tied for first in rookie goals. So, again, in these sort of apples-to-apples comparisons across the league with other rookies, these two guys are, you know, they're right up there with, with the cream of the crop. Um, and that's really nice to see just because – you know, you kind of wondered about Greer coming into the league sort of a year early, whether he'd be able to handle it, whether he needed, you know, really needed to go back to, to juniors. And, and he's, you know, he's passed that test with flying colors. I mean, if you're in the top 10 in AHL scoring overall, you're pretty good. So, JT and, and AJ, eh? JT and AJ. A match made in alphabet soup. And Rocco Grimaldi has been fantastic as well. He's got 10 points in 10 games. Yep. And he's tied for third in the league in shots on goal. So that seems good. Yeah. So those guys are, you know, they, they make it they make it lots of fun to watch. So what's up with uh, everybody else? Um, well, you know, you've got some veterans that are a little bit snake bit. They kind of got off the schneid yesterday with the six goals like joe whitney is the captain and he hadn't scored a goal yet he scored two yesterday so that's that's a good good sign um the problem was is the defense which at the beginning of the year was fantastic they were the best defensive team in the league and now they're just so bad um one of the big things was losing chris begra to what i hope isn't a concussion uh, he left the game last week week in at intermission and we haven't seen him since and he's not on the trip to california right now so we won't be playing with them for at least another week do we know what his injury is i i hope it's not in a concussion but you know, the pattern's there does the kind of level secrets uh, he's had around it yeah he i mean they're not even lower upper body he's just out with an undisclosed injury got a uh, body energy got a body injury it's a body injury, and Jeremy Smith also the, you know what, I guess would have been called the starter goalie of the season, is out with another undisclosed body injury that sort of has the same pattern as a concussion as well. But 
hopefully not both those guys. Um, but the Rampage also sent Sergei Boykov down to the Colorado Eagles last weekend. And they signed a PTO, Matt Lashoff, who is sort of a puck mover, but he's like 30. Experienced guy. I remember when he was with the Leafs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, he's been nothing short of a disaster. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much his MO. Yeah. Um, the thing with losing Bigra and Boykov is you're losing some serious skating ability because both those guys are tremendous skaters. And even though Bigra wasn't, you know, at his best yet, and Boykov was making some rookie mistakes and silly turnovers and penalties and stuff like that. Um, <coughs> he's very tough to play against. He's physical. Um, you know, he has very good gap control and losing those two guys, they've become really easy to play against. Um, you know, like lash off and Cody Corbett who are kind of taking their spots. Um, you know, they're, they're just really soft and they don't, you know, the people just breeze right by them or, blow right over them so it's a, it's a toughie i i really think they should call boykov back up and get rid of lash off you know he's just on a pto i don't you know I, I, the guy's just adding nothing and i know they want another veteran i know they don't, don't like having just stanton and siemens as their veterans but um just deal with it because it's there's no way boykov is is as bad as as having lash off in the lineup how are they doing in terms of standings? Not so hot. <laughs> um, they're four and six. It's early, but you, you know, you, you kind of want to be better than that. Um, last year, Grand Rapids started out either two and ten or two and twelve, and they made the playoffs. So it's it's not not dire yet, but um, they really need to clean up some things and start winning by the end of the month. Well, here's hoping that they can make that happen. Because um, you know that the so. the Friedman line is Thanksgiving. And if you're out yeah. of the playoffs then, you're not likely going to get back in them. Well, they have very good shot metrics. And, you know, they, they've they sort of taken to the, the abs system a little bit better than the abs have. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so, I, I you know, their underlying numbers are good. They just, they were really shooting terribly for a while. They're most of their PDO deficit was um, save percentage from a couple of bad games. But before that, it was almost all shooting percentage. Right. Well, hopefully they can get it turned around, and hopefully the Avs can do the same. We've uh, kind of already spoiled the whole week's schedule in our talk about the goalie controversy, but the Avs are at home all week this week as the schedule kind of Stops throwing such flaming daggers of doom at them. Um, you on, stand where you, you play more than one game in a row at home? Yeah, they're all <laughs> at home. On Tuesdays, the Arizona Coyotes, 7 o'clock Mountain on altitude 2, the Ocho. Then on Friday, the Winnipeg Jets come to, back to town for more. And that's another 7 o'clock start. This one's on altitude proper. And finally, on Sunday, it's an early-ish one with the Boston Bruins, 5 o'clock Mountain again on altitude. Not that the Avs should take any team lightly, especially with the results they've been having, but this week's schedule is the lightest full week so far. Um, what do you expect? I mean, there's three home games and there's no back-to-backs. I just I don't know what to think. <laughs> it sounds too easy. 
<laughs> I didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> Do other teams know about this? I don't. I mean, I don't want to go out and predict six points, but I think they can easily win all three of these games. I'll predict four points. I mean, I think. <clears throat> I think Arizona is just absolutely terrible. Um, you know, I don't want to say that's a guaranteed win, but it is. Um, yeah, I, I think, Arizona's in for some good old Mike Babcock style pain. <laughs> that, that first year is gonna be pain. Yeah, I think, <laughs> that's what he told Toronto fans, and by God, he was right. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was reading on Twitter the other day, and there was an Arizona Coyotes fan saying, "Oh, look, we won't." We don't have to have eight goals scored on us again until Colorado on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it could be worse. <laughs> they could be Montreal Le Habitants. <laughs> that was something. That was something. It's pretty rare to see the Habs get ten hung on them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if there's any team out there that Colorado can blow the lid off and actually start scoring against, Arizona's not a bad pick. Yeah, and I think Winnipeg should fall in that category. I think I, I think the last game should leave a really horrible taste in everyone's mouth, and I think playing them for the second time, the coaching staff should have a better idea of what works and what doesn't and go with the stuff that works a lot more. And Hutchinson shouldn't make 30-plus saves again either. Yeah, I mean... In, in you know, a shutout. Hopefully Pavlik plays. Hey, call him up. <laughs> it could happen lots of things could happen between now and friday and i don't know what's going on with the bruins honestly are they just like getting older and busted or or what's up with them i don't I haven't followed them at all i don't know i, th I think landy and his buddy marshawn are going to get together and have a talk um yeah that's a tough one to call that's a, i don't know much about the bruins this year so that that's sort of a that's an iffy one for me. I wonder if the dogs exploded because we had an earthquake in the state a minute ago. Again? We, we have them almost every day, but apparently this was big enough that like everybody felt it. I didn't because my chair sucks and just absorbed it. Ah. I didn't even notice. But apparently we had one. Oh, nice. Um, big one? I don't know. I haven't seen any numbers yet. Oh. What was I about to do? Oh, yeah. NHL.com slash standings. I have to go to the NHL website, which is so smart that if you accidentally put a close bracket on the end of that word standings when you press enter, it goes, I don't know what you're looking for. Boston What's are 6-5-0 with 12 points in 11 games. They have a minus 6 goal differential and are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So they are not the top of the crop in the East. Yeah, I guess for the East that would be pretty bad. Yeah, they have five teams ahead of them, or, or four teams ahead of them in the wild card race, which are Detroit, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Buffalo. So worse huh. than Buffalo is not a ringing endorsement. Who are they better than? <laughs> a bunch of teams that everybody expected to be better than they are. Toronto? No, Toronto's second in the wild card race right now. They're in a playoff spot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um,. Florida, Islanders, Carolina are the bottom three. Florida? Florida. Like I, I said, really... 
Like I said, a bunch of teams that everybody expected to be a lot better than they are. They sure look good when they played us. That's, yeah. <laughs> How are they losing all these games? <laughs> I don't know, but I think I'm going to agree with you on four points, and I expect um, that Miko Rantanen will score his first goal this week. That's my okay. boldest prediction. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go bolder than that and, and say that he has a three point week. Ooh. And one of those will be a goal. Let's close things down with a little standings watch since we kind of already pulled that up. Um, the New York Rangers, Nick Holden and all, are leading the Metropolitan Division um, with 18 points in 12 games. The Atlantic and the Conference are led by the Montreal Canadiens, who have 21 points, have lost two games, one in overtime. So, What's their goal? What, what, what are the Habs' goal differential now? Plus 11. <laughs> With a 10 nothing loss. <laughs> They've scored 39 goals in 12 games. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I'm no mathematician, but that seems good. I wish we could do that at some point. <laughs> as we speak now, I mean, these, these numbers could all change as games keep getting played. We're talking as... There's still games going on. Uh, Chicago leads the Central with 17 points, but St. Louis are in second with 16. Um, Chicago's on quite a hot streak right now. Yeah, they are 8-1-1 in their their last 10. They've won five in a row. Um, In the Pacific, it's the conference-leading Edmonton Oilers, who are still 9-3-1. They've scored 40 goals in 13 games. I wonder how sustainable that is. I don't know anything about the Edmonton's underlying numbers. I just know that they can't stop scoring goals. And I think it kind of it starts from the back end. They've actually got some defenders who are moving the puck the right direction. I know. Chris Russell's good. Who knew? <laughs> it's not like Montreal who are just like, what? <laughs> How about will Vancouver ever score again? Will Vancouver ever score again? They have 20 in 12 games. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> they won four in a row to start the year. I think they may have all been in overtime. And uh, now they've <laughs> lost eight with one of those in overtime. That's got to be so horrifying on their their local radio stations every day. <laughs> oh, my God. We talk about been... the paranoia of Wild fans, but there's still nothing compared to Vancouver. And they've been making lots of personnel moves. Yeah. That's a real special they, fan base ripped, whipped up by a real special media. Yeah, I, I mean they, you know they've been they've been moving guys around. They've been calling up rookies, sending down rookies, not playing rookies. I mean, <clears throat> they, I mean they're trying everything, and nothing's working. That's got to be really frustrating. Well, yeah, I mean they've tried everything based on their way of thinking, which isn't working. Well, it's just, it's tough because I, I don't know if they actually believed it, but they went into the season like, you know, I don't think we're going to be that bad, really. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, everyone else is picking them last in the conference, but, you know, I, 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 I'd rather have the Avs, which are just, you know, the secret society, rather than, you know, the Vancouver Canucks management that comes out and says stuff like, we don't need to rebuild. I think we just need a couple of key pieces, yada, yada, yada. You just lose eight in a row and score like three goals. 
<laughs> Apparently there's a Twitter account called Oklahoma Earthquake. <laughs> and an Oklahoma sports account tweeted at it, quit being a dick, and it said, physical impossibility. So. I take it it's not a parody account. <laughs> no, it's the actual Earthquake tweeting its actual thoughts. So hopefully um, we will see six points this week. It's very doable. Um, it would take the, the shots to actually start falling, like Boschman's crazy seeing-eye carom puck. That, somehow that was such an amazing shot. <laughs> I found some daylight where there was none and just kind of plinked in. But that's the kind of goal the Avs have been missing, and hopefully they'll see more of them this week because they um, should be in a position to give themselves more chances to take shots. Yeah, I, 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 I'm looking for them to get right against Arizona, fix a wrong against Winnipeg, and then we'll see what happens in Boston. <laughs> see what happens, not in Boston, it's in Denver. Well, with Boston. With Boston. Boston. But no matter what happens with either of these terribly pronounced names, you know you can find out here. Um, keep an eye on the latest abs news and updates at milehighhockey.com. Um, and you can follow the podcast here on soundcloud.com slash myhockeypodcast or at mixcloud.com slash myhockeypodcast or on your favorite RSS feed catcher thing or on iTunes, which is probably the easiest way just to get it downloaded straight to your iTunes. Um, you can also follow the site at facebook.com slash myhighhockey or on Twitter, which is at milehighhockey. Um, we will see you back on Tuesday against Arizona. Keep your head up and... All those other things that we like to say, we'll talk to you next week. The U.S. Helium Reserve is there. That's really weird. <laughs> Why does the U.S. have a helium reserve? Well, it goes back a hundred years when... Dirigibles were considered strategic assets. <laughs> Sir, we have a national emergency. No one can talk in a high-pitched enough voice. I have just the reserve. I, I just remember, we didn't talk about John Mitchell getting waived. Well, I, I mentioned it <laughs> very, very briefly. Um, that, that's such a, I mean, I think everyone was expecting a corresponding move in the it's just nothing's happened yet. Well, everybody wanted him to, to get traded in the summer, and this kind of shows you how little of a market for that trade there was. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I figured that'd be a tough sell. But, and I didn't think anyone was going to claim him either. But I, that, that's why I think it's kind of funny. I mean, what were they expecting? I, I mean, it, it was it just sort of the Hail Mary, like, throw it up, like, well, you know, maybe Vancouver will take him. I mean... <laughs> Because, um, I, I mean, I can't imagine what, what kind of deal they could be searching for that freeing up $1.8 of cap at the beginning of the year would help out. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a frustrating situation for everyone involved. I can't imagine being waived on Friday, clearing on Saturday, and then playing an hour later. Yeah, and then a day later. Yeah. But I mean, literally an hour later, because, like, that was a... I guess it would be two hours later because of the time zones. But he, I mean, I'm sure, he clears at noon Eastern, and then he plays at one mountain. I mean, the 
company line was they wanted a little flexibility just in case I don't know what. Um, but you know that that's I don't know. I mean, it's just if if they don't do anything, like I mean, last year we were all sure that Nate Gannon was going to, you know, that that waivers was a prelude to some sort of move that didn't ever happen. Last message to get on tape: Go vote. No matter how you lean, go vote. 